Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. I'm Mark Frost, and you're listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Gazoska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. How are you? Good. We are ready to start getting into Twin Peaks, the final dossier. We're not covering the book still. Next week. Next week. But we do have Lindsay from 25yearslatersite.com who will be on to give us a non-spoiler of the book. Yeah. A, a review, right? Yeah. So, But first... We got Mark Frost. No way. No way. Co-creator of Twin Peaks and author of the new book, The Final Dossier. Hi, Mark. Hi, guys. How are you? Oh, oh, great. You know, you had mentioned to us in the past how uh, books are kind of like gifts that you leave by the by the side of the road. This book really is a gift. I just, I, I love it. I know so many fans love it. You answered so many questions that we've had for over 25 years. Thank you so much for this book. Well, you're welcome. I'm, I'm glad you, you saw it that way. I felt we'd left a lot of things unanswered and things that we didn't have time to address in the return. And this was a way, I thought, to, uh, to bridge that gap. So as co-creator, executive producer, writer, director of episode Seven, you made such a big impact in shaping the story of Twin Peaks. Now that on your the second book, the final dossier, kind of got to expand and develop these uh, characters. What did you most enjoy about uh, writing the final dossier? I think it was the chance to kind of close the book on a lot of the characters that we'd um, not had a a chance to catch up with and put to rest some lingering questions about certain characters that I think had haunted viewers for a long time. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And so I wondered, how did this book come about? You know, we, we had the, the secret history of Twin Peaks, and did you know right away, hey, I'm going to do a second book? Or how, how did this kind of fit in when, when you first started thinking about writing a book? Well, my thinking evolved after we'd written the scripts and before we got into production. I knew I wanted to write a, at least one book, but then I realized I wanted to write two. I wanted to go back in time and weave a, a kind of in-depth mythological history for the region and the people and fold Twin Peaks into a larger American context. 
so that became the secret history. And then um, I felt I wanted to more specifically, uh, as I just described, bring you up to date on the people that were in danger of kind of being left behind or forgotten. Yeah. You know, I'm so impressed by the care and detail that you put into this book. And I, I, I guess it, without spoiling anything, but you think of something like Johnny Horn, you actually kind of explained a little bit in just a sentence, really, maybe what was wrong with him. Something that I think we always wondered about. I think last year you said you didn't really go back to rewatch the series, but I wondered, did you go back to the scripts? Or how did you do your research in kind of putting this book together? It wasn't research so much as it was a lot of stories that I'd kind of collected over the years or ideas of about what might have happened to, to so-and-so. And, and then when it was time to sit down and put pen to paper, I guess I referenced things that had gone on in some of these uh, characters' lives. And then the rest was just, you know, a novelist's imagination trying to create a map for their lives hmm. uh, between then and now. That's really cool. And without spoiling anything, in the secret history of Twin Peaks, there was a lot of kind of maybe misinformation appeared. Or like I always think about like Pete Martell played checkers, not chess, or there seemed to be a yeah. different mom for Norma. And in this book, it seems like uh, Tamron Preston is trying to answer some of these questions. But I guess my real question is that, you know, with an epistolary book, can you ever really trust the author? Can we really trust uh, Tamron Preston for what she has to say? Well, you might be able to, to trust her a little bit more. This isn't technically uh, epistolary in the way that the first book was. Hmm. This is an FBI agent's case files. True. So her version of things may be inherently more dedicated to rigorous fact-finding. Yeah. I wanted to apply that standard to her investigation into these various people. The secret history of Twin Peaks can kind of stand on its own, but I like how you kind of weaved in this agent that was already in season three, and you kind of bring a lot of these other ideas from season three into this into the final dossier. It was really done nicely. Yeah. How you were, it can it can be on its own, but it definitely enriches the experience if you've seen the shows. Yeah, and I think uh, also that the two books act as uh, companion pieces and maybe sort of bookends for the series. I think it's a, it's a fun way to look at the, the Twin Peaks experience through different media. Definitely. After finishing the book, I texted Ben right afterwards saying, that is the cherry on the cake. You know, that is the frosting on the cake. It was just so good. Um, so good. And I was like, Mark Frost is the heart and soul of Twin Peaks. <laughs> I did uh, the analogy of, of this coming as sort of the dessert course to the end of a long and multi-layered meal felt pretty apt. And so you have an audiobook, which is just um, Preston's uh, view of things. Were you involved with this audiobook for the final dossier? Only to the extent that I was with the last one, which is I consulted with casting and talked a little bit about production. But the team that put this and the secret history versions together are the best in the business. So I really trusted yeah. their ability to, to do a great job. I haven't actually had time to listen to the new one yet, so I'm looking forward to doing that. It's really good. Yeah, I, I yeah. definitely recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> last year we asked you, and you couldn't really talk about it because, you know, we hadn't gotten to season three yet. But can you share with us the origins of how the new series came about? started with my calling David and saying, hey, I think I might have a way to get back to Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. And we had a lunch in August of 2012 at Musso and Frank's. And enough came out of the conversation to pick up the thread and start following it. We started talking on a regular basis and nine months to a year, I think, before we actually started writing anything. But it was a lot of really fruitful discussion and laying the groundwork for what was to come. And that's how it all began. And I think I heard you guys hadn't even thought about 25 years later, which I think us, us, all us fans keep thinking, oh, we're getting close to 25 years. The, the show should come back. But you guys didn't even think about that. Is that right? My recollection is that one of the things we did first after deciding to pick it up was actually watch the final episode together. Huh. 
And, you know, there's that moment where she turns to Cooper in the Red Room and, and says that line. And, you know, that was certainly the moment when the spark plug ignited. Isn't that That's cool. That's really cool. Is that, was that the first time that you guys actually had sat down together to watch that last episode? Uh, yes. Isn't that something? Isn't that wow. that, is, that is really something. Am I right that you guys went through Skype to actually write the whole series? Yeah. I don't live in L.A. anymore. I live about 75 miles north. Oh. So we're, we're both comfortable with Skype as a means of communication. So that's what we ended up using. And it worked out really well. You were recently at the Austin Film Festival. I think you shared something about the character Rodney's cut. Uh, Rod Mitchum. It's a very simple story. He'd been injured, slightly injured during an onset accident. A light had fell over and hit him just below his eye. Actually, more on the cheekbone. They'd already shot some scenes with him. So David devised this way of figuring out why there would be a Band-Aid or a scar or, you know, the trace of him getting that injury. I thought that he came up with a hilarious way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. And I do love that. There's that, So then later on, there's this scene with the brothers in the car and they're going to meet uh, Dougie with the box. And the brother there says about how I had a dream. And the dream was that the, the cut went away and it did go away. But to me, that was, was a perfect kind of story of the dream to lead to meeting up with Dougie. It seemed perfect that that, that, that happened in some strange way. Yeah, I thought that worked out really well. You know, with a new series, there's so much I loved about it. But things that I wonder about, your fingerprints seem to be all over it. it to me, it seemed like Dr. Amp, Wally Brando, and Part 8. Would you say that you were very much involved with some of those characters and, of course, Part 8 there? We've always made it a point never to talk about, you know, who, who sure. did what more specifically than the other. So I'm reluctant to do it now. I understand. Okay. I heard that your dad actually shot his scenes before uh, through Skype before and maybe during pre-production. Is that right? That's correct. I was back east visiting him. It was a, a little more than a month, maybe, or just about a month before we actually started production. And we actually shot it on Skype with David in L.A. and my dad in upstate New York. And I was there and my brother Scott was there and my son Travis. So we actually oh. had uh, all three generations together. Travis was the, the production assistant and Scott was helping with the lighting. And it was oh. kind of fun. What a great moment that you guys had. But also for I mean, us fans just to be able to see Doc Hayward again. I mean, that was really a, a great scene. Very special. Yeah, I, I felt really good about that scene and spent a lot of time getting it right. I love that, that you guys put at the end of these uh, parts uh, in memory of. That was a really nice touch that you guys did, too. No, oh, thank you. So, here's my one geeky thing, and I know we're getting close to out of time. You know, in the secret history of uh, Twin Peaks, you have these men who, uh, you know, they read uh, Crowley's The, the Moon Child, and they mm -hmm. have these, they seem that they're doing these rituals in the desert, and I kind of link it to part eight, where it seems like you have um, this atomic bomb. And in both cases, it seems like maybe they're opening a gateway to let maybe, I don't know, an antichrist or creature. Is it, uh, is it too far of a reach to put that together, that you where you have this story of these men trying to do, do rituals and part eight, where maybe the experiment is trying to escape? Uh, I'd say you're on the right track. Thank you. <laughs> and I probably only have another minute or two with you, but just maybe get some follow-up on some projects you've been working on and uh, find out if On the Air might be able to get out on Blu-ray, DVD. Is, <laughs> is there any any chance that On the Air will be coming out? There is a chance, and it's something that's uh, being talked about, and hopefully we'll, you know, we'll have some news on that in the next six months or so. Cool. And last year you had said maybe there were, that you could work on the list of seven TV shows. Is there any update on that? Uh, no update on that. I'm still trying to push that forward a little bit. Also, my, my novel, uh, Second Objective, got some things going on with, as well as my book, The Match, which I'm hoping to uh, turn into a film, just as we did The Greatest Game Ever Played. So oh, That's great. Uh, nice. those, are, those are three of the things I'm looking at right now. 
Very nice. Before we go, there's talk that you'd be open to another season, possibly, of Twin Peaks? Well, no, what I said was that I'm considering it, okay. and that's what you would normally do. I haven't spoken to anybody about it, but, you know, I'm mulling it over. And that also goes for any any chance of another Twin Peaks novel. I mean, these, these, these last two have been great. We really yeah. enjoyed them. We'd love to have more. Yeah, that, I, I guess that would come fall under the same category. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll have to see where, where things go from here. Of course. Well, you know, we hope this isn't the end, but if this was the end of Twin Peaks, this is a very satisfying ending. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Mark. You're very welcome, guys, and great to talk with you again. And thanks to you and all the people in the Twin Peaks community for hanging in there for so long, and I uh, hope it's been a good ride. Yeah, Definitely, it has. it has. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Hi, this is Lindsay from 25 Years Later site. Book review, Twin Peaks, The Final Dossier by Mark Frost. It doesn't seem possible, but a little over one year ago, has it been a year already? We were waiting with bated breath for the release of the first piece of substantially new Twin Peaks material in a quarter century, the missing pieces notwithstanding. Those scenes were scripted and filmed and their existence known about for almost all of those intervening years. Back then, we were still awaiting the first details of the return. Now we're two months out from the end of the series, and in a decidedly different place as a fan community. Last October's The Secret History of Twin Peaks was a nearly 400-page behemoth filled with more questions than answers, and while it thrilled a significant subset of the Twin Peaks fanbase, 25 years later cites very own John Bernardi chief among them, it seems to have frustrated just as many with its meandering Doug Milford plotline, aliens and the occult, and significant inconsistencies to several prominent Twin Peaks citizens' backstories. It also didn't even whisper against the most pressing questions we all had about the people whose lives we had left so unceremoniously back in 1991. What happened to Norma and Ed and Nadine? What about in the aftermath of the bank explosion, or with Ben Horn and Will Hayward? How is Annie? Today's release of Twin Peaks The Final Dossier has the potential to satisfy even the most disillusioned Twin Peaks fan left hardened by the secret history of Twin Peaks, or the warbling end of the third season. The Final Dossier seems to be what most people expected from the secret history of Twin Peaks before it was released, back when it was tentatively known as The Secret Lives of Twin Peaks. It's a little over half the length of its predecessor, and attempts to chart a through-line narrative for the intervening 25 years, and a wee bit beyond, chronicling the goings-on in the lives of the principles we'd come to know and love. It feels, to put it in the words of my colleague Rob E. King, like it brings the soap opera back, like I'm reading trashy town gossip columns. I couldn't agree more, and personally speaking, I'm 100% here for it. That said, those among us only interested in definitive closure to the events shown to us in this summer's limited series event will be largely disappointed by the final dossier. This is not a book that wants to tie everything up with a neat little bow, something for which yours truly is very grateful, but which will annoy many other discerning readers nonetheless. Nor will you be happy if you wanted the mystery deepen considerably. The final dossier sits neatly in between a number of extremes, not satisfied to be wholly any one thing and thus managing to be a lot of everything in the process, at times a traditional novel and at others a found document, a comedy and a thriller, supernatural and earthbound, an ending and a beginning. The final dossier excels at balancing the need we have to uncover the missing pieces while still keeping the mystery alive. The plot progresses neatly and linearly from the finale of the series through the various character histories until we arrive at the present day, September 6th, 2017 to be precise. There aren't many twists, but the ones that are revealed are doozies, and the stories within interlock together in such a way that the overarching frame narrative, 
to Mayor Preston's task of putting together a final dossier on the people of Twin Peaks to satisfy her chief, Gordon Cole's, curiosity for the town he grew to love so much, builds to a satisfying and startling conclusion that absolutely leaves the door open for more should Lynch and Frost choose to venture down that path, but which also has a kind of wistful end should this be the last we get in the world of Twin Peaks. We do hear from a few key players, in their own words, through collective reports and letters as well as the remembrances of people who relayed the information to Tammy in the course of her investigation. Mostly though, this is the Tamara Preston show, and while she is less sassy than she was in The Secret History of Twin Peaks, no snide side remarks and footnotes in this puppy, she is still a lovely guide through this world. It's delightful to hear the entire thing voiced by Annie Wershing on the audiobook, which clocks in at just under three hours in length for those of you who are curious. If there's a reason why Christabel didn't voice Tammy in the book, I haven't heard it. But all the same, I'm glad that Wershing loaned her talents out once again. I really like her. While a far cry from the epistolary beauty of the secret history of Twin Peaks, there are far fewer found documents included, as the book takes the form of a compilation of separate files detailing the various families and individuals Tammy was tasked with reporting on, and so the words are all hers with few exceptions, as mentioned above. In my opinion, the final dossier is a wonderful way to say farewell to Twin Peaks, and an equally wonderful way to invite more if that's what the creators so choose. Do you want more Twin Peaks? It's there for you to imagine. Do you hope for this to be the end? That's equally valid and supported by the text. Maybe it's not the most satisfying of conclusions, but it's a conclusion. Make of it what you will. Of course the book won't completely satisfy everyone. It may even invite criticism of some kind or another from many, though I hope it's not of the same kind that befell the secret history of Twin Peaks last year. But in my opinion, Mark Frost has scored a big win here expanding the universe and playing within it in the way that only novelists of his caliber can. This is where Frost truly shines. He has a gift for this writing thing, and is quite clearly enjoying himself when he does it, as the sections on Dr. Jacoby and Jerry Horn definitely attest. He also spins quite a yarn. I've never been comfortable with the idea of there being a hard and fast Twin Peaks canon, and neither it seems are its creators, and the shifting realities of the secret history of Twin Peaks and what's happening in the return further emboldened me to reject any notion of canonicity going forward. But it is fascinating to see how Frost imagined these characters living their lives. I'd love to know how much of this existed in conversations between Frost and Lynch but never made it to screen, for one reason or another, and how much of it was purely his own invention. Lynch famously said that the secret history of Twin Peaks was Mark's version of events. Does David have a version? Can each of us have a version too? One thing is for certain, and I'll let our dearly departed Margaret Lanchman say it because she says it best. The answers to all our questions are in the wind and the trees, the rocks and the water. I suppose this means it's time for those of us who feel called to do so to venture off on our own Dr. Amp-approved Walking in Nature program walkabout, tuning in through the static at the answers that lie waiting. You can read my spoiler full review of this book in my notes from the Bookhouse column on 25 Years Later site. Thank you, Mark Frost, and thank you, Lindsay, for being on today's show. This very special show. We get to talk to Mark Frost a second time. Oh, so special. I know. And I just love the information. I love that he shared with us that he sat down with, with David Lynch and watched episode 29 together. I think I want to be there for that. I want to be a fly on the wall right. to see how that goes down. And it's interesting, too, just because, I mean, you had Mark Frost and the writers writing their version of, of 29, and then you had David Lynch who took that and made his own version. Mm -hmm. 
years later, the writers will say, yeah, we love what David Lynch did. But originally, it was something where he just kind of threw out the script and made changes. And so it's kind of neat for them to both be here. And this is how it ends. And how do we continue this? And you know, we're going to go into it next week. But this book really answers a lot of questions. And I really like this book a lot. Oh, I, I love I, this book so much. This is kind of the stuff I wanted in season three, to be yeah. honest with you. A lot of this stuff did end up like Dr. Jacoby and some stuff and, and uh, Nadine. But some the Annie stuff was answered and stuff like that that I was hoping to see, but we right. got it in book form, and I'm so happy. It's like Mark this. Frost knew that this is what we wanted, and he was able to deliver it through this book. So yeah, awesome. and the ending. I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about because the way the show ended and how this book kind of solidifies some things. Yep. And from our interview with Mark Frost today. We, we, you know, we asked him, can we trust Tammy? Can we, right. can we trust her? And he basically says, yes. Yep. This is a, a federal agent. When I had put that question together, I was like, oh, he's going to say no. He's going to say, well, you can never trust anybody. But he kind of defined, he said, yes, you can trust this character. And so if we were to get a season four, I think whole Laura Palmer case would take on a whole new thing. Maybe. And that makes me more pumped for season four. Yes. If, but if it ended like this. I'm, f like, fine with that, like you said, Ben. Um, but if we got a season four, man, we would be in for a ride. We will talk about it all next week with some special guests. Please, if you haven't read it, please read it. You got a week. Yeah, you've got two weeks. You've had a, you've had the week that it came out, and you have, you know. You've <laughs> I'm got, sure everybody's <laughs> read it, but if you're listening you haven't, we are going to spoil it next week. Right. So and if you had a chance to read it, just get the audiobook. It's like yeah. three hours long. Some people are having a hard time finding it. Yes. I had a friend just locally said the local Barnes and Nobles never got it in. Uh, so some people might have a hard time finding it. Get the audiobook, like you say. Or, you know, you can get the Kindle version. Uh, that's true. I had the Kindle version and audiobook the same. <laughs> I had already, already read the book, but still on day one, I had the Kindle version. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, for me, Kindle is great because I'm like, okay, I want to research something. I was like, oh, I want to remind myself about Johnny. And I, all I got to do is type in Johnny, and bam, I can kind of go back to that. So I, I like convenient. it just for the convenience of looking up stuff. Research. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Next week, we're going to cover this, and I can't wait to talk about it. So in the meantime, you can reach out to us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. We're on Twitter at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. We're on Stitcher, Google Play. Leave us that five-star review and a nice little comment on iTunes. Subscribe. Subscribe to us on YouTube. All our podcasts do go up on YouTube and some extra things time to time. Never miss an episode. Never miss a show. If, if, if you subscribe, it'll be there for you. Yes. And in a couple weeks, Black Friday weekend, This is uh, we're a couple weeks away from Thanksgiving here. Black Friday weekend, Cyber Monday, T Public is going to have a big sale. You can get your hands on some exclusive Twin Peaks Unwrapped merchandise that I found in the closet. We're putting it back up there. Um, maybe some new stuff. I don't know. It, it's going to make a great Christmas present. And you can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers. stickers, notebooks, artwork. We have it. Percentage of this goes back to us. It helps fund this great podcast that we're doing. And we really appreciate all the people who've been supporting us. So thank you. Yeah, so thank you to everybody. We'll be back next week with some special guests. And we're going to be talking about the final dossier. Read Mark Frost's The Final Dossier. Listen to the audiobook. Read Lindsay's articles and review of The Final Dossier at 25yearslatersite.com. And I see.
I'll see you again in 20 years. <laughs>